This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Um uh, do you agree with that, or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back, and we rather uh, have an order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades? I guess, and maybe this is the the old um, kind of teacher in me coming out, I think of this a little bit more about a transition of eras rather than a transition of orders, but the two are kind of cousins of one another. The reason I draw the distinction is because I don't think the international order built after 1945 is getting replaced wholesale with some new order. Um, it will obviously evolve as it, as it has evolved multiple times over the decades since 1945. But I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era. And that's what I talked about in my remarks, that we are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order, adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. How's it going, my fellow Americans? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew for America. The conspiracy theorist. The tinfoil hat wearing nut job. Conspiracy black pill right-wing, libertarian, yada, yada, etc., etc., douchebag, moron, right? That just talks about conspiracy theories and misinformation and disinformation on his podcast all the time, right? There's no such thing as the New World Order. That's all conspiracy theory. Right. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that, or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back and 
we rather uh, have uh, order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades. I guess, and maybe this is the, the old um, kind of teacher in me coming out, I think of this a little bit more about a transition of eras rather than a transition of orders, but the two are kind of cousins of one another. The reason I draw the distinction is because I don't think the international order built after 1945 is getting replaced wholesale with some new order. Um, it will obviously evolve as it, as it has evolved multiple times over the decades since 1945. But I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era. And that's what I talked about in my remarks, that we are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order, adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. Moving into a new order or a new era, a new order of the ages, Novus Ordo Seclorum. And if you don't believe me, just look on your money. Novus Ordo Seclorum. New Order of the Ages. The New World Order. You still think it's all bullshit, people? Do you still think that I'm full of shit and preaching misinformation? When you can open your fucking eyes and your motherfucking ears and listen and watch these piece of shit human beings at the World Economic Forum talk about this shit openly. And you may be sitting there asking yourself, but Andrew for America, if this stuff's really going on, how come I never see it on the news? <laughs> Well, if you've been listening to my show, you know the answer to that question. It's because your news is corrupted, infiltrated. It has been taken over. It does not exist to inform you or give you anything resembling truth. So why do you still turn on Fox or CNN or MSNBC or Newsmax or Vice or CBS, ABC, Al Jazeera, BBC, you name it. It is a mind control and mind manipulation tool that is being used by the elites and the governments of this world to unify your puny little brain under one common set of ideas mind hygiene 
if you will, in the words of Tiana, the truth seeker from last episode, she told you about the English and mind hygiene. Go look it up. It is easier to fool people than it is to convince them that they have been fooled. Mark Twain, I've said this to you before on the show. And why? Why is that? Why is it easier to fool people than it is to convince them that they have been fooled? And I have a one-word answer to that question. And that word is ego. Your ego will not allow you to believe the reality. And that is your area of opportunity. Your ego is your fucking problem. Always has been. Always will be. It's why you're greedy. It's why you're selfish. It's why you think you, you want to become famous. Because your TV screen pre presents you with idols. And you worship these idols. You want to be like them. You, you know, exemplify the behavior that is modeled to you. You're being told how to think, what to think, how to feel about things and groups of people, what to think about things and groups of people. You're being told how to act as well. You are being shown how you are to be expected to act in your life, in your society, through your TV screen. It is the most effective way in human history, save the creation of the clock and the calendar, the most effective way to control everyone. Nonviolently, of course. And what did this guy say? The new era began after 1945, the end of World War II, the creation of the United Nations. And you know what else was created and mass produced and mass sold and marketed to the people around the same time? A little invention we like to call the television set. Some of you like to call it the tell lie vision because that's exactly what that idiot box does. It tells you lies. And you fucking morons believe those lies. But I'm the conspiracy theorist. I'm the tinfoil hat wearing nut job idiot schizophrenic mentally unstable right on that guy just because i have the balls to verbalize the truth 
and it's hard for a lot of you people to hear. I know. I know for a fact many, many people have listened to my show, immediately turned around, and run and ran screaming for the hills. Fuck that guy. I know. This is the burden. This is the burden that people like me must live with. And we have decided to wear that burden as a badge of honor. Gives me purpose doing this show. Gives me purpose telling you the truth. Whether you want to fucking hear it or not, I don't give a shit. Clearly, I don't care about your sensitive sensibilities. I'm trying to save the world. What are you doing? <laughs> you playing Xbox? Huh? Following OnlyFans girls right now? Huh? What are you doing? Ladies, you out there fucking every guy you can in order to find one with a lot of money that'll take care of you and give you a, a lifelong meal ticket, right? Or are you a boss bitch out there saying, fuck, man, I don't need men. I don't need to know about the realities of this world. Equality, right? Let's believe in wokeism because our TV told us that that's, the, you know, that's real. That's what's going on. Let's have a nationwide conversation about chicks with dicks. Without, you know, was there a popular movement? Dave Smith talks about this. Like, at no point in time did any of the average American people get together and say, hmm, we want to champion the woke agenda. Trans rights, gay rights, all that stuff. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm all for equal rights. I really am. I am all for freedom and liberty. But you don't get to have freedom and liberty and sovereignty without the ability to be honest, courageous, strong, and you have to have the ability to bust your ass and work for the things that you want in this life. You can't just have the goodies without doing the work because it's not real. It's being provided to you by others. And a lot of you don't even know where your freedom and where your rights and where the people that came before you went, what they, how they lived their lives, what they did. You don't respect your past. You don't even know your history. And you think you have all the answers to what's going on in the world? Who do you think you are? That's ego. Your ego. You think you're so fucking cool. What does that mean? What does it mean to be cool? Does it mean being liked? Does it mean being admired? Do you want to be admired by others? Is that why your egos are so big? Is that why you're all a bunch of narcissistic, fucking gross psychopaths out there walking around, destroying the people around you? And you, you can't feel any shame or guilt somehow? You always find a way to get out of it, right? You don't want to face consequences and responsibilities. As if there's something wrong with consequences and responsibilities. I'm telling you, people, this country 
is soon going to be conquered in this transition of eras to the age of Aquarius, right? The new world order, right? Maybe Manly P. Hall was right about the secret destiny of America. You know, Hobbes's Leviathan, the philosopher king, world democracy. I'm going to take you back in time right now. When I was on hiatus, I urged a lot of you to go back to the beginning of this podcast. Go back to episode one and listen straight through so you can pick up on what I'm putting down. (laughs) And for those of you that have not gone back and listened, I'm going to take you back in time right now. Don't take my word for the things I tell you on this podcast. And in this specific case, take it from the horse's mouth, Magog himself, George Herbert Walker Bush. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, jungle. governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and and we we will will be, be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. And who are those UN founders? Who created and whose promise and vision is going to be fulfilled? They put their plan on your fucking money. Go grab a dollar bill out of your pocket right now. Look at the pyramid with the eye on the back. It says Novus Ordo Seclorum. They've been telling you what their plan is for years and years and years and years and years. George Herbert Walker Bush stood in front of a fucking podium and told you we have a real chance at this new world order. And still, you egotistical fucking Americans deny the reality. It makes me sick to my fucking stomach. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
right, people, welcome back to the show. I'm going to read to you guys a little bit. Novus Ordo Seclorum. New Order of the Ages is one of two Latin mottos in the rever- on the reverse side of the Great Seal of the United States. The other motto is Annuit Septus, which I believe is God Smiles. Uh, one of the two mottos, literal transition, is he favors our undertakings, or God smiles on our undertakings. This is because of its context as the caption above the eye of providence. And you've heard me talk about the eye of providence before. So what are they saying? They're saying that God smiles or he favors our undertaking of the new order of the ages. And are they talking about the Christian God when they make that statement or some other God? You be the judge. Uh, Here we go. A New Succession of the Ages. It was suggested by Charles Thompson, a founding father in 1782, to signify the beginning of the new American era after the Revolution. The phrase is derived from a line in Virgil's Eclogue 4, which prophesies the birth of a child who would usher in a golden age of peace and justice. Some scholars interpret seclorum as secular or Worldly, implying a separation of church and state, or a contrast with the old order of Europe. Others see it as of the ages, indicating a long-term vision of the U.S. as a model for future generations and nations. An international order. The motto has also been associated with conspiracy theories, they say. You be the judge, right? So, there you go, people. I feel like I've hammered this point home so much, but I'm, I'm going to continue it today, and I'm going to show you some recent clips. Uh, the intro clip for the show today was two guys talking at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Those meetings are going on right now, and if you're into this stuff, I know you've been seeing a lot of clips circulating on the social media, and I'm going to play a few of them right now to illustrate my point even further and to hammer home my always consistent points even further. And this first clip I am going to play for you because it illustrates the hypocrisy, the hyperbole, the oxymoronic, uh, inverted mind fucked that these people use when they talk. And a lot of you people miss the <laughs> inconsistencies and the contradictions. Here's a guy talking about the Ukraine war at the World Economic Forum saying that the way to peace is more weapons. <laughs> Take a listen. But if we want that to happen, 
a peaceful, just end to this war, the way to get there are more or is more weapons to, uh, to Ukraine. So the more credible we are in our military support, the more likely it is that the diplomats will succeed. <laughs> the way to peace is more war, people. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it, I mean, it's baffling to me that you people can't see this shit. It's so baffling to me that the vast majority of people just, this shit just goes one in one ear and right out the other. It, it, like, like, man, I'm losing faith in a lot of you being able to figure this shit out. I, I really am, man. I, I mean, I feel like I've been singing the bridge to Anima by Tool so much this year already. I'm praying for mayhem. I'm praying for tidal waves. I want to see the ground give way. I want to watch it all go down. Mom, flush it all away. (laughs) Oh, boy. And here is a clip of Julian Assange explaining that this previous guy's rhetoric is the standard rhetoric for the war machine for the international security state, international. My second episode of this podcast, I I entitled The Internationalists. Not national. International. All nations under one. All seeing eye. Get it? Plato's Republic. A ruling elite of enlightened people who are sovereign and manipulate, I guess, the people, the proletariat, the plebes, the proles, the rabble, the masses into their predetermined pre-designed way of life. That is the reality that you are living in, my fellow Americans. That is what is happening in the world that you and I live in together right now as we speak, whether you want to fucking believe it or not. Okay? Here's Julian Assange. Because the goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan, and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal, i.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. So Assange there is talking about Afghanistan, and he's and I've talked about this before, he's explained to you what they're doing in Afghanistan, and it's exactly what they're doing in Ukraine. Uh, Tyana the True Seeker told you guys that on the show. They're washing the money and funneling it back to a transnational security elite that want perpetual war. Perpetual means never-ending, always happening straight out of Orwell's 1984. Member of the Fabian Secret Society with his buddy Huxley, who wrote Brave 
new world. <laughs> uh, I know. I sound crazy. What's this fucking guy talking about, right? Go look it up. Don't take my word for it. International. Transnational. New era. New order of the ages. The secret destiny of America. The type of groups that were involved with founding this nation. The World Health Organization. The World Economic Forum. Key word. World. The United Nations. Plural. All. Total. Control. That's the goal. In a previous episode, I told you that Mikhail Gorbachev of the former Soviet Union once said that the key to unlocking the international world order is climate emergency and disasters. And you know that they have the ability to control and modify the weather and they are doing so in order to provide you with the motive for their plan to use climate emergencies and to use health scares and virus scares those are going to be the tools that they are going to use to walk you, my fellow Americans, into a brave, new, Orwellian surveillance police state, a totalitarian dictatorship, world order, international law international health, international security, global war, states of emergency where rights and privileges are usurped and an all-powerful sovereign steps in and makes all of the important decisions. Am I making sense to you? Is it really that difficult to see and understand? Or are you turning around and walking away, running from the truth because your pathetic, weak little ego won't allow you to face the reality? Ask yourself. I think we need a little comic relief. Here's Theo Vaughn and Shane Gillis <laughs> talking about the world and government now. And Shane Gillis, I think he's a hilarious comedian, but he's pretty far up Trump's ass. He he kind of, I, I know he's a smart guy and he knows a lot about what's going on, but his answer to the world's problems, I can tell from listening to the guy, is just listen to Trump and believe all the propaganda, the Q shit, basically, drain the swamp. I mean, all he can do is roll off, rattle off the catchphrases and the programming. 
which is funny to me. Uh, take a listen to this, and <laughs> uh, this clip in a really weird way gives me hope that uh, people are starting to see the reality and starting to understand and joke about it. the fact that it seems like nobody can do anything about it, which I firmly disagree with. In this clip, these guys say, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. Bullshit. Bull motherfucking shit. There's nothing you can do about it. You can quit bitching and start doing something about it. Absolutely. You're just probably too much of a chicken shit. But this is a funny clip. Very telling and humorous. <laughs> Take a listen. Dude, how crazy that our po- that the politics now they're just blatantly just stealing <laughs> money nuts, dude. and smelling and molesting shit. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> dude, no one cares. There's well, nothing we can we do just about realize, it. Even if we voted, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do about it. Not at all. Nothing we can do about it. We're all trapped in this fucking just this money funneling all our money to fucking <laughs> fight wars. Thankfully, our government is protecting all these people. That's the best thing. And they killed Epstein. Just bro, I can't get a pothole filled in fucking New Orleans, but you can fill a fucking nine-year-old out in the middle of the fucking ocean. Fuck this whole fucking government, it's dude. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy. bunch of sick fucking people, bro. Yeah, man. And a lot of it, I just wonder if it's just power. How long? Like you were saying, like generations of fucking power. Do you yeah. just get so sick that? Even caring about somebody doesn't even seem like it makes any sense to you anymore. Yeah, it's literally like a game of like ri- like a risk or one of those. <laughs> it's like a computer game someone's playing. And the, yeah, they're, they're so close to beating it though. They're so close to beating the game. <laughs> we just need they're to drain so the swamp, close. dude. They need like sixty trillion more dollars from us, dude. And then they're they're gonna, we're going to win once we save Ukraine. <laughs> we're we're back. True. Oh, 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 we just need to drain the swamp, dude. I mean, oh, bro. But those guys have a really good point, man. People are, man, I hope, I hope people are starting to get it. And a few episodes ago, I um, I said a little piece of the show, and I said I'm going to say this part with disgust, and I said something that the way that the world is and the reason why things are the way that they are is because of you. And... I mean that with all of my heart. If your attitude is there's nothing that we can do about it, then we've already lost. And I told you guys, the you know, the law that we live under, the 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 freedoms that we have, you know, the amendments of the constitution, the right to free speech, the right to assembly, the right to illegal search and seizure. You know, yeah, all of them. Yeah, you go down the list. Every one of them is slowly being eliminated and done away with in the name of world totalitarian rule. We need to destroy the ideals of the West so that we can usher in world democratic socialism on the road to world communism. And there are annals and volumes of authors and information that have been talking about that very fact for years and years and years and years. And still, I I start talking about this stuff and people are like, nope, there's no way. There's no way that's true. Why do you think that they are perpetrating this this aggrandizement, this self-aggrandizement, this 
this growing of your ego, the masculine, the masculinization of women, men not being able to relate to women or to each other even anymore, men not having a tribe and a group, no more community, no more strong families. This has all been planned. Go read The Naked Communist. Go read Rules for Radicals. Go read Hegel. Go read Marx and Engels. I'm not the one that brought this shit into the world, people. I'm just talking about it. Why are you not going out into your world, in your life, and verifying these things that I've been telling you on this podcast since episode one? Why? Are you afraid? Are you chicken shit? Are you a narcissistic fuck that thinks so highly of themselves for no good fucking reason? I'm in a mood today, people. I'm getting so disappointed and disgusted with the average American. It's starting to make me want to fucking puke. It's starting to make me agree with the elite's big club world plan. Maybe they're right. <laughs> and I've jokingly talked about this on the show before, but man, there are days where I'm like, you know what? Maybe you guys know <laughs> what you're doing. Maybe burning out the dead weight <laughs> and getting rid of eight tenths of these knucklehead moron imbeciles. <laughs> you know, I don't want to sound like you know, former communist demagogues, dictators, mass genocidal maniacs of old. I mean, I love it. You people don't think that these, that evil is in people. You guys don't know who Mao is, who Stalin was, who Pol Pot was, who Castro was. I mean, people. There's a new guy, Javier Malay, down in uh, South America. I forget what country he is now the president of. Uh, he's becoming quite the freedom-loving, liberty-loving, libertarian-type uh, darling. And this guy went to the World Economic Forum <laughs> and uh, made a speech that I found to be very interesting. A lot of people think this Javier Malay guy um, is the answer, the type of politician that we need in the world to fight the globalist communist agenda, to fight against the elimination of individual sovereignty and personal freedom and liberty and rights under the law in a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Knowing the meaning of these words is very important. I've said that on the show 100 years ago. Still, a lot of you fucking idiots have no idea, no clue. But anyway... um. This Javier Malay guy, 
president of Argentina, it is, recently went to the World Economic Forum and said this. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. And Rather, we have countless examples cause. of why. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. When we adopted the model of freedom Listen up. back in 1860, in 35 years we became a leading world power. And when we embrace collectivism over the course of the last 100 years, we saw how our citizens started to become systematically impoverished, and we dropped to spot number 140 globally. But before having the discussion, it would first be important for us to take a look at the data that demonstrate why free enterprise capitalism oh, shit, is not he got receipts, the only possible system to end world poverty but also that it's the only morally desirable system to achieve this. If we look at the history of economic progress, we can see how between the year zero and the year 1800, approximately, world per capita GDP practically remained constant throughout the whole reference period. If you look at a graph of the evolution of economic growth throughout the history of humanity, you would see a hockey stick graph an exponential function that remained constant for 90% of the time and which was exponentially triggered starting in the 19th century. The only exception to this history of stagnation was in the late 15th century with the discovery of the American continent. But for this exception, throughout the whole period between the year zero and the year 1800, global per capita GDP stagnated. Now, it's not just that capitalism brought about an explosion in wealth from the moment it was adopted as an economic system. But also, if you look at the data, what you will see is that growth continues to accelerate throughout the whole period. And throughout the whole period between the year zero and the year 1800, the per capita GDP growth rate remained stable at around 0.02% annually, so almost no growth. Starting in the 19th century, with the Industrial Revolution, the compound annual growth rate was 0.66%. Uh, and um, at that rate, in order to double per capita GDP, you would need some 107 years. Now, if you look at the period between the year 1900 and the year 1950, the growth rate accelerated to 1.66% a year. So you no longer need 107 years to double 
comparable per capita GDP, but 66. And if you take the period between 1950 and the year 2000, you will see that the growth rate was 2.1%, again, the CAGR, which would mean that in only 33 years, we could double the world's per capita GDP. This trend, far from stopping, remains well alive today. If we take the period between the year 2000 and 2023, the growth rate again accelerated to 3% a year, which means that we could double uh, world per capita GDP in just 23 years. That said, when you look at per capita GDP since the year 1800 and until today, what you will see is that after the Industrial Revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by over 15 times, which meant uh, a boom in growth that lifted 90% of the global population out of poverty. We should remember that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty, and that figure dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free trade capitalism as an economic system is the only instrument we have to end hunger, poverty, and extreme only poverty across instrument. our planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. The free market Therefore, is the only is way, no and the empirical evidence is unquestionable. Is, uh, superior in productive terms, the left-wing doxa has attacked capitalism, alleging matters of morality saying, uh, that's what the detractors claim, that it's unjust. They say that capitalism is evil because it's individualistic, and that collectivism is good because it's altruistic, of course, with the money of others. So they therefore advocate for social justice. But this concept, which in the developed world became fashionable in recent times, in my country has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The problem is that social justice is not just and it doesn't contribute either to the general well-being. Social the justice it's an is intrinsically not unfair just. idea because it's violent. It's unjust because the state is financed through tax, and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any one of us say that they voluntarily pay taxes, which means that the state is financed <laughs> through coercion, and that the higher the tax burden, the, the state higher is the coercion, through and coercion. the lower the freedom. Those who promote social justice, the advocates start with the idea that the uh, whole economy is a pie that can be shared differently. But that pie is not a given. There's it's no fixed pie. generated in what Israel Kirzner, for instance, calls a market discovery process. If the goods or services offered by a business are not wanted, the uh, business will fail unless it adapts to what the market is demanding. The market regulates if itself. they make a good quality product at an attractive price, they will do well and produce more. So the market is a discovery process in which the uh, capitalists will find the right path as they uh, move forward. But if the state punishes capitalists when they're successful and gets in the way of the discovery process, they will destroy their incentives. And the consequence is that they will produce less, the pie will be smaller, and this will harm society as a whole. Collectivism, by inhibiting these discovery processes and hindering the appropriation of discoveries ends up hindering innovation and discovery and prevents them from uh, offering better goods and services at a better price so how come that 
um, academia, international organizations, uh, economic theory, and uh, politics demonize an economic system that has not only lifted out of extreme poverty 90% of the world's population, but has continued to do this faster and faster. And this is morally superior and just. Thanks to free trade capitalism, um, it is um, to be seen that the world is now um, living its best moment. Never in all of mankind's or humanity's history has there been a time of more prosperity than today. This is a true for all. The world of today has more freedom, is rich, is more peaceful and prosperous. And this is particularly true for countries that have more freedom and have economic freedom and respect the uh, property rights of individuals. Because countries that have more freedom are 12 times richer than those that are repressed. And the lowest decile in terms of distribution in free countries are better off than 90% of the population of repressed countries. And uh, poverty is 25 times lower and uh, extreme poverty is 50 times lower. And citizens in free countries live 25% longer than citizens in repressed countries. Now, what is it that we mean when we talk about libertarianism? And let me quote the words of the greatest authority on freedom in Argentina, Professor Alberto Benegas Ledge Jr., who says that libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression in defense of the right to life, liberty, and property, its fundamental institutions being private property, markets free from state intervention, free competition, the division of labor, and social cooperation, as part of which success is achieved only by serving others with goods of better quality or at a better price. In other words, capitalists Successful business people are social benefactors who, far from appropriating the wealth of others, contribute to the general well-being. Ultimately, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. And this is the model that we are advocating for the Argentina of the future, a model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, Shit, I'm freedom, the Argentina people. and of property. <laughs> Now, if free enterprise capitalism and economic freedom have proven to be extraordinary instruments to end poverty in the world, and we are now at the best time in the history of humanity, it is worth asking why I say that the West is in danger. And I say this precisely because in those of our countries that should defend the values of the free market, private property, and the other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment, some due to mistakes in the theoretical framework and others due to a greed for power are undermining the foundations of libertarianism, opening up the doors to socialism and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery and stagnation. It should never be forgotten that socialism is always and everywhere an impoverishing phenomenon that has failed in all countries where it's been tried out. It's been a failure economically, socially, culturally, and it also murdered over a hundred million human beings. Oh, the boy. social problem My in the West God. today is not just that we need to come to grips with those who, even after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the overwhelming empirical 
evidence continue to advocate for impoverishing socialism. But there's also our own leaders, thinkers, and academics who are relying on a misguided theoretical framework undermine the fundamentals of the system that has given us the greatest expansion of wealth and prosperity in our history. The theoretical framework to which I refer is that of neoclassical economic theory, which designs a set of instruments that unwillingly or without meaning to ends up um, serving the intervention by the state, socialism, and social degradation. The problem with neoclassicals is that the model they fell in love with does not map reality, so they does put down their mistakes to reality market failures rather than reviewing the premises of the model. On the pretext of a supposed market failure, regulations are introduced which only create distortions in the price uh, system, um, prevent economic calculus, and therefore also prevent saving investment and growth. This problem lies mainly in the fact that not even supposedly libertarian economists understand what the market is, because if they did understand, it would quickly be seen that it's impossible for there to be something along the lines of market failures. The market is not a mere graph describing a curve of supply and demand. The market is a mechanism for social cooperation where you voluntarily exchange ownership rights. Therefore, based on this definition, talking about a market failure is an oxymoron. There are no market failures. If transactions are voluntary, the only context in which there can be a market failure is if there is coercion. And the only one that is able to coerce generally is the state, which holds a monopoly on violence. Consequently, if someone considers that there is a market failure, I would suggest that they check to see if the state in intervention involved. And if they find that that's not the case, I would suggest that they check again, because obviously there's a mistake. Market failures do not exist. An example of these so-called market failures uh, described by the neoclassicals are the uh, concentrated structures of the economy. However, Without increasing returns to scale functions, uh, whose counterpart are the uh, concentrated structures of the economy, we couldn't possibly explain economic growth since the year 1800 until today. Isn't this interesting? Since the year 1800 onwards, with population multiplying by eight or nine times per capita GDP grown by over 15 times. So there are growing returns which took extreme poverty from 95% to 5%. However, the presence of growing returns um, involves concentrated structures what we would call a monopoly. How come then that something that has generated so much well-being for the neoclassical theory is a market failure? Neoclassical economists think outside of the box. 
When the model fails, you shouldn't get angry with reality, but rather with the model and change it. The dilemma faced by the neoclassical model is that they say they wish to perfect the functioning of the market by attacking what they consider to be failures. But in so doing, they don't just open up the doors to socialism, but also go against economic growth. An example, regulating monopolies, destroying their profits and destroying growing returns automatically would destroy economic growth. In other words, whatever you want to correct a supposed market failure inexorably, as a result of not knowing what the market is or as a result of having fallen in love with a failed model, you are opening up the doors to socialism and condemning people to poverty. However, faced with the theoretical demonstration that state intervention is harmful and the empirical evidence that it has failed couldn't have been otherwise, the solution to be proposed by collectivists is not greater freedom, but rather greater regulation, which creates a downward spiral of um, a spiral of regulations until we're all poorer and the life of all of us depends on a bureaucrat sitting in a luxury uh, office. Given the failure of collectivist models and the undeniable advances in the free world, socialists were forced to change their agenda. They left behind the class struggle based on the economic system and replaced this with other supposed social conflicts which are just as harmful to life as a community and to economic growth. The first of these new battles was the ridiculous and un unnatural fight between man and woman. Oh. Libertarianism already provides for equality uh, of the sexes. The uh, cornerstone of our creed says that all humans are created equal, that we all have the same unalienable rights granted in by the Creator, alienable including uh, rights. freedom and ownership. All that this granted by your creator, not by the elite. To is greater state intervention to hinder the economic process, giving a job to bureaucrats who have not contributed anything to society. Not contributed Examples, to society. Um, ministries of, of women or international organizations devoted to promoting this agenda. Another conflict presented by socialists is that of humans against nature, claiming that we human beings damage the planet, which should be protected at all costs, even going as far as advocating for population control mechanisms or the bloody um, abortion agenda. Unfortunately, these harmful ideas have taken a strong hold in our society. Neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the uh, common sense of the Western world, and this they have achieved by appropriating the uh, media, culture, universities, and also international organizations. He's getting close. The case is the most serious one, probably, because these are institutions that have enormous influence on political and economic decisions He's getting of the closer. countries that make up the multilateral organizations. Fortunately, there's more and more of us who are daring to make our voices heard, because we see that if we don't truly and decisively fight against these ideas, the only possible fate is for us to have increasing levels of state regulation, socialism, poverty, and less freedom, and therefore uh, will be um, having worse standards of living. The West has unfortunately already started to go along this path. I know to many it may sound ridiculous to suggest that the West has turned to socialism, but it's only ridiculous if you only limit yourself to the traditional economic definition of socialism, which says that it's an economic system where the state owns the means of production. This definition 
in my view, should be updated in the light of current circumstances. Today, states don't need to directly control the means of production to control every aspect of the lives of individuals. With tools such as printing money, debt, subsidies, controlling the interest rate, price controls, and regulations to correct the so-called market failures, they can control the lives and fates of millions of individuals. This is how we come to the point where, by using different names or guises, a good deal of the generally accepted political offers in most Western countries are collectivist variants, whether they proclaim to be openly uh, communists, fascists, Nazis, socialists, social democrats, um, national socialists, democrat Christians, or Christian democrats, neo-Keynesians, uh, progressive, populist, nationalists, or globalists. At bottom, there are no major differences. They all say that the state should steer all aspects of the lives of individuals. They all defend a model contrary to that one which led humanity to the most spectacular progress in its history. We have come here today to invite the rest of the countries in the Western world to get back on the path of prosperity, get back freedom, on the path. Government, a government and um, limited respect for quest. private property are essential elements uh, for economic growth. And the impoverishment produced by collectivism is no fantasy, nor is it an inescapable fate. But it's and a it's provable. that we Argentines know very well. We have lived through this. We have been through this. Because as I said earlier, ever since we decided to abandon the model of freedom that had made us rich, we have been caught up in a downward spiral, as part of which we are poorer and poorer day by day. So this is something we have lived through, and we are here to warn you about what can happen if the countries in the Western world that became rich through the model of freedom stay on this path of servitude. The case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resources or how skilled your population may be or, or educated or how many bars of gold you may have in the central bank. If measures are adopted that hinder the free function of markets, free competition, free price systems, if you uh, hinder trade, if you attack private property, the only possible fate is poverty. Therefore, in concluding, I would like to leave a message for all business people here and for those who are not here in person but are following from around the world. Do not be intimidated, intimidated either by the political caste or by parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. You are social benefactors, you're heroes, you're the creators of the most extraordinary period of prosperity we've ever seen. Let no one tell you that your ambition is immoral. If you make money, it's because you offer a better product at a better price, thereby contributing to general well-being. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much, and long live freedom. Damn it. Your staunch ally?
I mean, wow, people. I have so much I want to say about this. This guy just summed up the tenets of freedom and liberty very eloquently, uh, very all-encompassing. He hit all the main points. He gave you the receipts. He gave you the statistics of why the free market is the only way to improve the lot in life of the average everyday citizen. Period. I mean, I I want to hope, I want to believe that this guy is genuine. I want to believe that, you know, that there's hope because this man went to the World Economic Forum, the home of the enemy, the, the world statists, if you will, and told them the truth about the reality of this world to their faces. Will that change anything? Probably not. Because greed and ego and narcissism are rampant. They are of the devil. They are evil, in my humble opinion. And it's going to take an internal quest. It's going to take an internal desire within each and every one of us to self-reflect, to accept consequences and responsibility. To stop making excuses for your failures. You need to destroy your ego and develop yourself so that you can make fruitful use of your soon-to-be-extinct freedom. And despite Mr. Javier Malay's hopeful message uh, to the World Economic Forum, um, things are getting pretty dire out there. And I'm glad that he made that speech. I don't know if he's in the big club's pocket. Um, But I'm going to play a a clip here of Brett Weinstein on Tucker's show. And... I want you guys to pay very close attention to what this man tells you. Take a listen. You're saying that an international health organization could just end the First Amendment in the United States. Yes, and in fact, the ability to do it is currently under discussion at the international level. We are actually facing the elimination of our national and our personal sovereignty your nation is almost certain to sign on to an agreement that in some utterly vaguely described future circumstance, a public health emergency, which the Director General of the World Health Organization has total liberty to define in any way that he sees fit. In other words, nothing prevents 
um, climate change from being declared a public health emergency that would trigger the provisions of these modifications. And in the case that some emergency or some uh, pretense of an emergency shows up, the provisions that would kick in are um, beyond jaw drop. Yeah, beyond jaw dropping. I've told you guys about this so many times. The climate excuse and the health excuse are going to be used to make Orwell's hell a terror era come true. Is that what you want? I wish, I've said this before on the show recently, I wish you didn't have to face it. I wish this wasn't the reality. I wish I could tell you that you can sit on your ass under this tyranny of convenience with all your first world problems, with no concept of perspective or scale or understanding about how the rest of the world operates and everything was going to still be okay. I wish I could tell you that, but it is the opposite of the truth. And the sooner you learn, realize, and accept that, then the sooner we can get to the point where we might be able to maybe just maybe save the world people it's time to turn up the optimism and the fun and let's play some punk rock this episode is brought to you by la quinta by window your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, people, welcome back to the show. Check this out. I just found this clip of Albert Borla, CEO of Pfizer at the World Economic Forum. Listen to this guy. I truly think the best days of Pfizer are ahead of us because COVID was, for me, like a rehearsal, a prova generale, how you can mobilize an organization and do the impossible possible against a main disease. We are after cancer and many other things in the years to come. <laughs> the best days of Pfizer are ahead of us because COVID taught us how to mobilize and prepare. And then they're going to, uh, in the future, they're going to fight cancer, he says. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if the vaccine that they gave you for COVID caused cancer, which would give Pfizer the reason to start fighting against cancer, they're creating 
their own demand. They are interfering in the market. Javier Malay from Argentina probably wouldn't like that so much. <laughs> but he says it was a dress rehearsal. A rehearsal for what? Another virus X that might be on the horizon? Who knows? <laughs> I'll probably be talking about that in the future on this podcast. But let's be done. And let's have some fun. And let's rock out to some punk rock. This band is one of my favorite bands of all time. And the bass player, Chris Aiken, just replied to my request to feature these guys on the show. And he said, of course, dude, rock out. And I said, thank you, sir. You guys are legend. Ladies and gentlemen, it brings me great pleasure to introduce to you Making their debut on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast with their brand new single entitled Cages. The best fucking punk rock band ever, in my humble opinion. Here's Strung Out with their brand new single entitled Cages. Glowing of the screen 
So what good now are these cages we live in? Blinded by a suicide, cause no one's listening. Generation digitize your World War III. Chemicals, they serenade. The cult of your history. In secrecy, you all bleed like me. Nobody here's gotta go it alone. Riot the ravens, come as you are. We lock ourselves in cages from within. You are not your fucking cage. Dead eyes reflect the glowing of the screen. I'll take you where you want to go, to the end of our history. Degeneration of everything we knew. The system here is killing us, and all I want to do is get through to you. Mm -mm -mm. In secrecy, you all bleed like me. Nobody here's got to go it alone. Brothers and sisters, come as you are. Unlock yourselves from these cages that you're in. I hear your cries. Do you feel my rage? Are you tired of living in this fucking cage? Fuck this cage. <laughs> in secrecy, you all bleed like me, brothers and sisters. You are not alone. Locked up inside, you are the key. A prisoner of our own design. Take a chance. Step outside, and you'll see. Just prisoners of our own design. Unlock your fucking cage. <laughs> Boy, my fellow Americans, now that I got permission to play Strung Out on my podcast, <laughs> get ready. I'm about to stream this band. If you have never heard Strong Out or you are unaware, I don't know what you are doing with your life. Jason Cruz is one of the best punk rock lyricists ever. And some of his words touch my heart and my soul deeply. I love this band. Chris, thank you for giving me permission to play you guys on this show. And I urge you, my fans and listeners, if you don't know who Strung Out is, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to start playing them a lot now that I have permission. That's the show, people. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Buy some merch. Click on the SoundCloud link, SoundCloud link to check out my music. Click on the Spotify playlist link to go check out the Politics and Punk Rock podcast playlist. And there's going to be a cubic fuck ton of strung out going into that playlist here pretty soon. There's already a bunch. <laughs> I love you guys so much. 
Take care of each other out there. Don't take my word for the things I tell you on this show. Get off your ass, pick up some books, and read them. Learn for yourself. Grow. Achieve. Exercise your body. Educate your mind. Accept the reality of the world that you are living in. Move ever closer on your quest from ignorance towards knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And I really hope you do. For you, for me, for all of us. Thank you for listening. Good night. We'll see ya next time. This has been episode 171 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast entitled Novus Ordo Seclorum. We'll see you next time. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy that likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen the future. You know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer weenie. <laughs>